And let's open our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, and we're going to begin reading in verse uh, 22. We're going to read a couple verses and then go on down further into the chapter. We'll read these verses uh, in unison. We'll read all these together. Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word, the eternal Word, the old King James. Amen. Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul, are ready? Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Now let's look at verse 30. We're going to read verses uh, 30 and 31 together. Ready? And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. So the Bible says in verse 30, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And in verse 23, they had this inscription to the unknown God. So um, I have preached from this in the past, the different messages, but I have entitled this The Unknown God. And uh, I think it's very interesting. Uh, if you're a thinker, uh, maybe this can uh, uh, initiate some study for you. Um, think about it and all the history of humanity. Um, to most, he was the unknown God. If you know him tonight, it's an amazing thing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. We yield to the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would lead and guide me as to what to say and how to say it. That your hand would be upon it and it would uh, not fall to the ground. Help us to hide it in our heart and to have uh, the doctrine and to understand the great, great privilege and the great opportunity to know Thee, the only wise God, uh, the one and true living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. We yield to Your Spirit that He would empower the preaching and the hearing of Thy Word that to some degree this could be done justice. Help us, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. The unknown God. If we think about history, that which has already transpired, and then prophecy, the things that God uh, tells us that will soon happen in the future, we have this unknown God it's the biggest issue for all God's creation. We know that the Bible tells us the secret things belong unto the Lord. So we only know what He has revealed to us. And God is eternal. 
So a lot of people limit God to Genesis, you know, the replenishing of the earth. What happened before that? What happened in all the other nations of the earth uh, that God ordained? The 70 son, or grandsons of uh, Noah, all these different peoples, races, nations, what happened to them throughout history? Did they know God? It's an interesting question. In the first world, the cataclysm between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, and then the remaking or the recreation of the earth and the replenishing of the earth's population after that, did they know God? Did they have an opportunity to know God? What does the Bible tell us about these things? I think of this often. Uh, you know, just think right now, the people in um, anywhere, in, in Africa, deepest Africa or South America, just places on earth. Do they know God? Do they have an opportunity to know God? Did they ever have this opportunity. So we know, number one, God is immutable. That means it's impossible for God to change. He cannot change. We also know God is a God of integrity. So it is impossible, according to Titus 1-2, for God to lie. So we know who God is by how He deals with humanity and His creation in this dispensation. And so how did God deal with other peoples at other times, in other places, in all worlds, in all dispensations? We know because God cannot change and God cannot lie. He, he's the same moral God, the same law morally, and so there is an accountability to God because God is a holy, righteous God. And the Bible asks the question, Abraham said, shall not the judge of the earth do right? Yes, he will. He always has. He always will. And secret things belong to the Lord. We only know what He has revealed to us. We cannot speculate we know what the Bible teaches, but it says that in time past, all these people, he winked at their ignorance. He winked. Now, I restudied this. The word does mean to overlook and to not punish. That's what the word wink means. But it does not mean that they got the pass and they will not reap what they sowed and the wages of sin always was death, always will be death. So what does it mean then to overlook it and to not punish them at that time? And it's only in the Bible five times, the word wink or winketh. And every time it um, has a bad connotation, it's not good. Uh, the Bible even talks about wicked people that wink uh, at the Word of God. You know, I, I try not to ever wink. Uh, and you, you'll see some people, and I don't even want to do it. They'll wink at somebody. What are you trying to say? It, it's, uh, it's not honest. It's not, oh, now you may have a, 
a secret language with somebody or a code, but if somebody winks at you, you don't know, you better watch out. I had a guy wink at me one time. He's trying to get my money. Uh, long story, but he's just talking to me, and I know her. He gives me that, and he gives me that kissy. Uh, I know what you're doing. You're not getting it. Uh, not in a that type of way. It, it, he was he was doing it in a in he thought a masculine manly way to try to trick me into buying something. Uh, watch out. So winking isn't. Uh, this uh, expression that you have a good relationship with somebody and you're just trying to get something across, biblically, it has a bad connotation. And God winked at their ignorance. And what does that mean? So how do we reconcile this biblically? There are no contradictions. We know that. How do we reconcile this it doesn't mean he winked and overlooked it and they all got to go to heaven. It doesn't mean that at all. God is immutable, cannot lie. The wages of sin is death. Just plain and simple. So it doesn't mean by the overlooking not to punish that these people were getting by with their sin and they would not uh, suffer death and the second death, if they did not uh, get justification by faith, we also know that God is a revealing God. Elohim, through Jehovah, initiates the reconciliation. He reaches out to men, His creation. And we know that at some point, the just God had to reveal himself to all men. So all nations at one time had the opportunity to be saved. You know, there's a lot of Baptists out there that really believe that God only dealt with Israel and all these other people never had a chance. And they, they, they pick a point in history and they stop there or start there. They don't go beyond that and delve deeper and look at the precepts, line upon line, precept upon precept, they don't um, go to the beginning. So, uh, just an example, you know, we've all dealt with this. A lot of people like to choose where they pick up their history. See it all the time. Like, they'll say that uh, the white Japhethite Europeans stole America, and that's true. Uh, it's a fulfillment of uh, Genesis 10 that Japheth would inherit the tents of Shem. And they, they hate Christopher Columbus and they hate Andrew Jackson and all these types of things. But they don't go before that. Everybody got their land by stealing it from somebody else. You know, that's the reality. Uh, the Comanches came down here from Wyoming and stole most of Texas from the Lipan Apaches and the Coahuiltecans and the Caroncos and all these people. Uh, how far back do you want to go? So where did Mexico get its land? The uh, Spanish stole it from the Mayans and the Incans and the um, Oltecs, those type people. And then where did the Mexicans get it? They rebelled against the Spanish 
everybody took it from somebody else. You know, you have to be honest with yourself. And when, when you only go back to Abraham and the patriarchs, well, God is eternal. What was God doing with all the other nations of the world throughout all the other worlds? Because the Bible says there will be worlds after this world, and God will use the church to reveal His uh, mercy and grace to other worlds yet to come. We know that there was a world before this world, and God is eternal. So a lot of people think God, I don't know what they think, that God was doing nothing for eternity until this world came along, and then He chose Abraham, and then the twelve uh, sons of him, uh, and the patriarch, and then Christ came through Judah and, and all, and revealed Himself to the Gentile nations. What was God doing before that? And what about all those nations that were not Israel while Abraham was uh, on the earth? So you have the even the pre-Adamites. What about them? That's a whole another subject. So think about when uh, I was talking about this with my wife. I was never taught this to, in Sunday school and in college. So Adam and Eve, Eve was the mother of all living, right? And the replenishing. And then Cain murders his brother Abel because God did not respect his offering. He brought only the first uh, the fruit, <laughs> excuse me, the harvest of the field. He didn't bring an innocent blood sacrifice as a uh, God commanded, and we were taught this is the only people on earth. How many were taught that? Maybe they didn't say it, it was insinuated, right? Well, when Cain goes out, there's people all over the earth. He's afraid he's going to get murdered. And where did Cain get his wife? There was people all over the earth. And Cain started cattle ranching, music, uh, welding, ironwork. Uh, all sorts of things uh, in what we would call m more culture and um, technology. So where were, what were all those other people doing? If God is a just God, He gave them an opportunity to know Him. And it's obvious at some point in their history, they did not receive this opening of and revelation of the existence of the one true living God, and they rebelled against him. The Nephilim came down, the fallen ones, and uh, procreated with wicked women, and they taught, uh, set themselves up as gods. And it says in Deuteronomy 32 that they worship devils and evil spirits. And they made images or statues of these wicked beings that turned on God and left their first estate. And, but at one time, God revealed Himself to them because God is a loving God and He always originates the reconciliation. Uh, it has recently been discovered, China's trying to cover this up. An ancient manuscript has been found that says there's one God, there was sin, and that one God sent a lamb to shed his blood 
to die for the sin. And this is in one of the ancient, ancient dynasties of China. And they don't, they're trying to cover it up. Uh, and so God revealed himself to, to all peoples. If you look at the book of Job, Job wasn't a Jew. The three friends of Job were of different peoples, of different nationalities. They knew God more than most Baptists who claimed to know God. I mean, they knew the deep things of God. Read the book of Job and what they said. Uh, now, they made some mistakes in uh, attacking uh, Job, but they knew a lot of deep truths that most Americans would never even ponder or consider these things. So the one true God who is holy is not overlooking and giving them a pass as he winked at their sin. He was so angry at them that he left them to themselves. And we'll explain this. They still got judged. They still had to answer for their sin in their life, just like every soul, for the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. But you see these uh, false prophets and false teachings, which is it heresy. And they, they take this first, and they, they studied what it means winked. And then they go over to Romans 3.25, and they love to use that, where it says that Christ was a propitiation for past sin. And so this is what they say. They say, because Christ is a propitiation for the sin of the world, but what does it say? Especially those that believe. In other words, the propitiation made salvation available to all, but you have to believe on Christ in order to have that propitiation applied to your life. But here's what they say. Because he's the propitiation for the past, they relate this to God winked at their ignorance, and they say that all those people, their sin was paid for, and they were saved no matter what, because Christ is the propitiation, which is a total uh, heresy. Every man must choose to put his faith in God or not. And then there's other people, because of that verse, they'll say, everybody's going to heaven anyway, so what's the point? If Christ is a propitiation for the sin of the world, everybody's going to heaven, so why even seek God? Why read the Bible? Why go to church? Why serve God? And you see how these misteachings come because they violate the rule of harmony. One of the main uh, rules of biblical interpretation, there are no contradictions. God's not going to let them off. You know, and I could go into... Uh, Boy, that's a tough abortion and the age of accountability. That's a whole nother subject that people can't handle. They don't like to talk about uh, saying that certain people don't have to answer to God. And for some reason, they're in the exception, but everybody else does. So hopefully, um, I'm not confusing you, uh, just giving you some information. Think it over. God cannot lie. 
and God cannot change. And the truth is the truth is the truth. No matter what time, no matter what world, no matter what dispensation of a world, and no matter what nation in that world. So the Koreans have to answer to God just like the Germans. And uh, no matter what. And the Chinese have to answer to God just like the French. We are all equal. There is one event that happeneth to them all. We all have to die. We all have to face God. So what seems to be maybe casual reading, as most people read the Bible, they overlook this passage, but the reality is it's very, very significant, and it reminds us of the holiness of God and the greatness. So let me remind you of uh, the text here and the context, the, the subject matter of Acts 17. The Apostle Paul is preaching. He's on Mars Hill. He sees the whole city given over to idolatry previously. And his spirit is stirred. He sees all these idols and temples and polytheism, and it really troubles him. It stirs him up as he observes these things. And he passes by, and he sees this altar. And on this altar, it has an inscription. And it says, to the unknown God. And he immediately begins to rebuke them and say, you're too superstitious. You are so into your polytheism with many gods, you now think you've left out the one. So here's a God, you don't even know his name, a false. And, and so they're just adding the one true God onto all these uh, false gods. And he begins to tell them that this unknown God is the only true God, this unknown God to you. And it says, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, goes on to say he cannot be worshiped with uh, men's hands. And he says, he made all men by one blood and all the nations of the earth and all the nations of the earth will answer to what you call the unknown God. He is the one, the true, and the living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. All these people out there, these uh, pagans and heathens and I don't even know, New Agers, they, they want to say, well, that's your idea, I have mine. That's your interpretation, I have mine. You do it your way, I'll do it my way. And there's uh, really no exact way. Nobody can really know for sure. All roads lead to heaven, and that's not true. Uh, you know, Highway 83 uh, goes up to... Uh, Concan, Reagan Wells, and Lakey. It, it doesn't go to uh, Lapriere or Batesville. Uh, just keep heading that way. They, all roads don't end in the same place. And every soul is on a road. Every soul. And the only way to get on the way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
You got to get on the way by simple faith. So what does he say? He says this diversity and the boundary of all the nations of the men of the earth are of one blood. Why? Eve is the mother of all living. And then it says you have to feel after him, find him. He's not far from any of us. No, the Bible even says the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. If they just say it, God gave them the chance. You know, all the peoples, just say Scotland right now. God's right there if they'll just feel after him. They could find him if they wouldn't be involved in a false religion or try to do it their way. He's right there if they would just feel after him. Here in uh, Uvalde, Texas, God's there. He's everywhere. God is omnipresent. If people would just feel after him, but they may think they know him. Some of them do know him to some degree. But for most people, he's an unknown God. Just like he was in the first world, just like he was in this world, in all the nations of the world with the replenishing of the earth, how many people had the opportunity to truly know him? How many gods do the uh, Indian peoples have? Many, many gods. How many gods do the, uh, the, the Taoists have in China or the Shintos in Japan? How many gods are out there? But they have one God. The true God is the unknown God. The truth is, God gave them a chance. He's a just and a loving God. Now, in all those times past in, of history, and there was a world before this world, you can study it. When Lucifer fell and became Satan, there were already cities, there was uh, music, there was shipping, there was industry. In the world before this world, God revealed himself to those pre-Adamite peoples. And then in this world, and up to the point of Jesus Christ fulfilling the messianic prophecies, dying on the cruel cross of Calvary, shedding his blood as a propitiation for the sin of the world, being buried three days, raising from the dead bodily to prove, as Paul preached, he is the living God. He is the only one true God. And you don't know him. So you've just made this altar with an inscription upon it because you're too superstitious. Up until the cross, God winked at their ignorance. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that does not mean, I reiterate, that those people before, because God winked, that they got away with it. It doesn't mean that all of them um, died and went to heaven. It means God was so sickened and tired of their idolatry and their wickedness that He just turned them to themselves. Nations 
civilizations. What an uh, amazing thought. You know, what were the Mayan Indians doing? Why did they build all those pyramids? What was going on in Spiro Mound in Oklahoma and Cahokia Mound in, uh, I think it's in Illinois, just across the river from uh, St. Louis? All these ancient civilizations. There's pyramids on every continent. Uh, China has them. They're, they're all over the world. What was going on at that time? It doesn't mean there was a lack of accountability. It simply means God turned them loose to their own ways. Now, in 2 Peter 3.8, we talk about this quite often. A day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years are as a day. And according to the great sabbatical week of prophecy, seven days in the week, we are in the last days just before the rapture and then the tribulation, the second coming of Christ, the battle of Armageddon, setting up His kingdom of heaven on earth, the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ will follow that, and then eternity will begin. But Psalm 90 verse 4 also says that a thousand years are as a day, uh, when passed, and we know biblically that a watch is a three-hour period of time to see what happens, to be observant, to be waiting and looking and focused in. So, when God winks, you know, think about it. When we wink, shut your eye open, you're all right. How long is God's wing? If a thousand years are as a day, we know 60 seconds is a minute. We know 60 minutes is an hour. We know that there's 24 hours in a day. There's, uh, I believe, 86,400 seconds per day. And then you have a thousand years. What is a wink to the eternal God? How much time really passes when God winks at their ignorance, how do we know? I mean, it could be a thousand years. God just turned them to themselves because when, when uh, the ark landed on Mount Ararat, think about this. And then Noah had his three sons. He had 70 grandsons. They all knew God. They all knew the God that told Noah to build the ark and to get in the ark. These were the offspring of the preacher of righteousness who preached 120 years. They knew him. They had the opportunity, and they went out, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, to different parts of the, the world and had their children, and they taught their children, and they taught their children. And at some point, we don't understand it all. We're, it's not revealed to us. Secret things belong to the Lord. They turned on God. They rejected their heritage. They rejected their, call it religion, in the one true God that told Noah to build the ark. Through time, God was so disgusted with them. He was so angry. You can use the word 
fed up, whatever expression you want to use, that he winked. And it's, it's really amazing to think about. Peoples, nations were born. Different lineages within different family trees. And at one point, they forgot God. And at one point, they rebelled against God. And at one point, they believed the Nephilim, these devils that came down and called themselves a God and established all of these false religions, all of these different cultural aspects of uh, architecture and dress, uh, all sorts of things that many cases are still being practiced to this very day. Now, what does the Bible tell us? Hosea 4, 6. Uh, you ought to memorize this verse. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Ignorance, a lot of people say, ignorance is bliss. No, it's not. Ignorance is death. Ignorance is destruction, willing or unwilling. And then we know, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing hearing by the Word of God, and how shall they hear without a preacher? At some point, God sent a man to remind them of what they were taught coming down from Noah, his three sons, his 70 grandsons, and he gave them this opportunity. At some point, they rejected it. They turned away from the one true God, and God winked at their ignorance. What happened when the dinosaurs roamed the earth? What happened when Arizona was a lush rainforest and now you have petrified national forest? What happened when Egypt used to be just green and fertile, the whole place, and North Africa, it wasn't a burnover desert. Uh, what happened? Uh, oh, it was climate change. They had uh, combustible carbon uh, producing engines that run, no. There's climate change. The clim there used to be an ice age. The Bible tells us there was an ice age. What caused that? And there was another ice age. And then what caused the warming? Because God changes things. What, you know, they say there were so many Native Americans. When Columbus came to, he didn't find the New World. It was found before him. That's a whole other story. But um, there were so many people before they got European diseases that killed them, unbelievable, wiped out. And I think the Mandan tribe was almost completely obliterated by smallpox and other um, European diseases. But God was revealing himself to them. Do you know the Cherokee people know some Hebrew? And a lot of Cherokees believe they are Jews. And you see this all the time. And the Salutrian peoples came first. Not It wasn't the land bridge. And all these, uh, you know, a lot of people also use this dogma of archaeology. They don't want to know anything that goes beyond that. 
or delves a little deeper. And you know how they found it? They had a dogma. Every, it was called Clovis first. You probably heard of that. It was a certain type of artifact, a bifacial um, artifact made through lithic reduction. They would hit it with an elk antler, deer antler. They'd use a, a point of an antler to pressure flake. They made knives and projectile points. And they, they started this dogma that the first men are Clovis. And then this archaeologist got this idea. He said, let's dig deeper than Clovis. It's kind of a unique. He, he, they just digged, and they found people were here way before that. And then they found out how these people got here that was different than what other people had uh, told as truth. It, it, it was just a false dogma or a stance, and... God revealed himself to them. I, they had a chance. God is a true and a loving God. God gave them the chance to know him. And even when they rejected him, he sent preachers just like he did to Israel. And they stoned the prophets and they rejected them. God kept giving them a chance. And then finally what happened? He said, I'm sick and tired of it. You're going into exile for 70 years into Babylon just like when he, he had to let the uh, generation of unbelief die out when they wandered around for 40 years like the crooked serpent in the desert. But God gave them a chance. And these peoples, they became perverted. They began to, some of them got involved in cannibalism, bloodletting, balding, self-excoriation, eating abominable flesh, witchcraft, gross perversion. Sounds like America. That was the headlines of the, the uh, New York Times. This is where we're at. And the same thing's happening. God, in His love, reaches out His arms, whosoever will may come, whosoever will may drink of the water of life freely. You think about different peoples that were famous. We're almost through. Just think about it. the Mongols, the Germanic barbarians, as the Romans called them. You know what made them a, a barbarian? Because they didn't shave. Yeah. And they, they were all these different um, <laughs> things. Um, the Celts, the red-headed peoples, the Saxons, the Angles. You know what an Anglo-Saxon is? The Angles and the Saxons invaded uh, what we know as Great Britain and started the, the, the uh, Ang Ang Angles, what am I saying, the English, and they, the English is taken from Angles, these peoples that invaded. And then you have the, uh, the, the Gaelics that were in Ireland, and you have the Picts, which are in northern Great Britain, which became the Scottish, uh, which had the bagpipes and wore the kilt and those type of fighters to the core. And they came over to America and helped win the, the revolution, lived in the Ozarks. Uh, born fighters, they, they, they fought their whole life. Uh, what about all the Oriental peoples? 
What about all the uh, Hamitic tribes and the wanderers and the gatherers and all the Native Americans? What about the ancient Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans that all had the opportunity to know the one God, but the reality is the superstitious people, they'd have to put up the same altar to the unknown God. But it's not an excuse. It's not a pass. The one God who is holy judges sin, and the wages of sin is still, as it always was, death. So just think about this for a minute. The unknown God in other worlds, the unknown God in other dispensations, the unknown God in all the nations and different sub-tribes of different nations, the unknown God to all the atheists, the unknown God to the polytheists who have many false gods, and the unknown God to most who are in quote-unquote Christendom who claim to be Christians, but they would not know Christ if He walked in the church. Here we are at the last of the last days, and Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And he's talking about His own church. If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. And he's talking about he cannot get into his own church. And the reality is the average professing Christian that have the same altar and image and superscription or inscription set up, the unknown God. They don't know him. But isn't it amazing? You can know him. More about Jesus would I know. More. We can know Him. He's not the unknown God. He's the God that winked at their ignorance because He revealed Himself to them and they rejected Him and forgot Him. But what did He say? And, and so this is where we led up to this. It's very simple. But now He hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. Turn from their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that He rose from the dead, as it says here in the sermon that Paul preached. And the true church knows Him, and the true church has the true one and only Bible, the King James Bible. The true church has the Comforter has come, the Holy Spirit, and their body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the true church is sending out all the missionaries throughout the whole world to give all these nations an opportunity to know Him. So, to conclude, the secret things belong unto the Lord. It's none of my business anyways what happened 4,000 years ago in what is now Japan. It's none of my business. The judge of the earth, he shall do right. But the Bible tells us enough to know we see these principles uh, which are still true and in place. So first of all, I do not question what God did. He's God. 
Secondly, I don't have to know all God did. It's none of my business. Thirdly, I need to do what God told me to do. That's all that matters. God told us, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what God told us to do, to know the one true God. How? Through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may have eternal life, and that you may, uh, that you may know that you have eternal life, and believe on the name of the Son of God. We know it. We have an opportunity and a responsibility, and we are accountable to preach the truth, to preach the gospel, and to give men a chance. And think about it. When you knock on their door and you try to lead them to Christ, and it says He's right there. If they would just, he's, God is there. God sent you to their door. He's right there. But, Sad to say, for most, he's still the unknown God. It's an amazing thing to think about. You know, we live a very short period of time. Life is so short. The eternal God has been doing a short work. As far as eternity is concerned, we don't know how long. He is eternal, and it goes all the way that way, and it goes all the way that way, and we're right here at this point in time, and this is all we know, and this is all we can do, and we need to glorify God. He's not the unknown God to us. Praise the Lord. Amen. I, we know Him. And the Bible says if you know Him and you love Him, you'll keep His commandments. Amen. All right, let's bow our heads, close our eyes.